Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Sometimes I just like to share some things from my heart. Just to share some things from my heart. It's a good night to do that. We've been doing a lot of talking about the recreated human spirit and the forces that emanate from the recreated human spirit. And if you'll open in Galatians, the sixth chapter, sixth chapter of the book of Galatians, verse 8, here's a good scripture that could take on a different meaning or, let's say, a little bit better light. Now that we've been doing some speaking concerning the recreated human spirit, you know, I'm responsible for the development of my human spirit. You know, one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to us is the recreated human spirit. And you know, it seems to me that the average believer is unaware of the fact that his human spirit is recreated and is a gift of God. And the ability and the potential we have in the human spirit is something to marvel. We can contact the Father with our human spirit. We can pray in a heavenly language with our, in, out of the human spirit. Did you know that? You've got creative ability, faith, in the recreated human spirit. Amen. We have access to contact the Father through the recreated human spirit. Look at verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Notice... We can sow to the flesh, and we can sow to the Spirit. Well, what's he mean, sow? With a needle and thread? No. He's talking about planting seed. See, the operation of the kingdom of God is this, the principle of sowing seed. We can sow seed to the flesh. We can sow seed to the Spirit. It's up to us to sow the right seed. Remember over there in Romans chapter 8 where it says in verse 12 and 13, For we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, but to the Spirit. And through the Spirit we are to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Do you know how to mortify the deeds of the flesh? By sowing to the Spirit. Sowing to the Spirit. That's how we crucify the flesh, by sowing to the Spirit. See, the law of sowing and reaping is the law of Genesis. Began in the Garden of Eden. It's never changed. You look out in your backyard, if you have an apple tree, it's still bearing apples. If you have a cherry tree, still bearing cherries. If you have a pear tree, still bearing pears. Whatever you sow, you reap. And the seeds that fall from that fruit, contained inside the fruit, produces another fruit tree of its own kind. That's a law of Genesis. Well, this law of sowing and reaping is applied also in, the, in our lives. Over there in Mark 4, he said the kingdom of God is as if a man would cast seed or sow seed into the ground of his heart and rise and, uh, you know, day and night and rise up and go to sleep and day and night and day and night, you know, on and off each and every day and every night. And all of a sudden, he knoweth not how, but it would bring forth fruit of itself. If I'm sowing to the Spirit, I'll bring forth fruit of the Spirit. If I'm sowing to the flesh, I'll bring forth fruit of the flesh. That's as simple and as plain as can be, isn't it? But you see, sometimes I think we try to, to do it backwards. We try to produce spiritual fruit by doing something in the flesh. And it doesn't work that way. You've got to do something in the Spirit, sow to the Spirit, in order to reap of the Spirit. And when it comes to actually sowing of the Spirit... People are lost. I was talking to some men in the ministry. 
And by his own words, he said, You know, I think we ministers sometimes get more intellectual and too intellectual than we are. We know of God, but we don't know God. We know of the Word, but we don't know the Word. See, his problem was he was sowing seeds through the senses to obtain knowledge in the intellectual realm, but he didn't know how to sow seeds into the spirit to obtain revelation knowledge in the spirit realm. So you can have a walking Bible on your hands, but doesn't know God. Doesn't know how to use the forces of the recreated human spirit. Doesn't know how to contact the Father. Doesn't know how to get his needs met. Doesn't know how to get his healing. Doesn't know how to get his, his uh, finances in order. Doesn't know how to receive things out of the realm of the Spirit. Doesn't know how to contact the Holy Ghost. See, the Bible, we can study it from now that Jesus comes. Remember one scripture that says, over there in Timothy, ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth? Yeah, we can show out there in that realm of the flesh all we want but never gain spiritual results. If we don't learn how to sow to the Spirit. That is the human spirit. Sowing to the Spirit. He was talking about the Spirit of man. Sowing seed. And if we sow to the Spirit, we will reap of the Spirit. There's no question about it. It's a law that works a hundred times out of a hundred. If you sow apple seeds, you're going to get apple trees. If you sow tomato seeds, you're going to get tomato plants. Well, if I sow of the Spirit... I mean sow it. Not talk about it. I mean actually sow it. If I sow love, my spirit will produce love. If I sow faith, my spirit will produce faith. If I sow joy, out of my spirit shall come joy. You see? If I sow it. If I sow anxiety, I'll be full of fret and worry. If I sow fear... I've been walking in unbelief. See, these are the ways the human spirit operates. Whatever you sow into it comes out of it. Whatever I put in there is going to come out of it. And it's up to me to sow into my spirit on a daily basis the things of the spirit. That's all we need to get by. If I learn how to do it, so does the spirit. Well, once you planted the tree back there, didn't it start bearing fruit of itself? Remember that psalm that says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate how often? Day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Everybody knows that a tree doesn't bring forth fruit in the first year. It takes a while to grow and develop, doesn't it? You've got a human spirit... And that human spirit is capable of bearing much fruit. But you see, Jesus likened it under fruit trees or any kind of fruit and uh, under the law of sowing and reaping. Sometimes I think we just want to start bearing a hundredfold fruit, but we never started in the thirty or sixtyfold. But you can be guaranteed, beloved, if you'll begin to learn how to sow to the human spirit. Sow to the spirit. You will eventually produce thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. If you learn how to do it. If you don't learn how to do it, you'll never do it. You'll never grow up. And spiritual things will be very indistinct. But we've got to learn how to sow to the human spirit. I found something out. If I, if I walk down the street and start asking people about the things of God, I mean even Christians, in Christendom, boy, you've got a thousand different directions you can go in. I sit back and I say, no, dear Father God, they didn't know what I said. I'm speaking to ministers. And I start speaking about things like, well, the forces that emanate from the recreated human spirit have got to be developed by faith. Faith is a force, love is a force, joy is a force, and they're all of the recreated human spirit. And one said, well, I thought they're all the same. Faith, hope, love. I said, if they were all the same, then why would they be separating the word of God? Why would, one, why would Jesus say now there's faith, hope, and love? Why would he say faith works by love? Why would it say faith is a substance of your hope? Why, why would it say count it all joy 
Knowing that the triangle of your faith work is patience. If all those forces didn't have any meaning, and if they're all the same, why can they be divided? And why do they serve a different purpose? What is this human spirit? What, what is this recreated human spirit? What are these forces that emanate from that spirit? And how do they work? And how do they operate? And what does God want us to know about it? I begin to answer myself. No wonder he said, you need not look across the sea. You need not look up into heaven. Just look in your heart. The kingdom of God's right there. Right inside you. You sit back and you say, wow. I want to share something with you. If you can contain it, contain it. If not, stand up and do a little jig and then just sit back down. Shout a little bit. But I read this and I was devastated by it. I want to share it with you. In talking about this recreated human spirit, we said that there is a process of change that takes place. Over there in 2 Corinthians in 3rd chapter verse 18, it talks about we as beholding in in the glass the glory of the Lord are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Is that what it says? Well, what image? Into the same image as of the glory of the Lord. Let me run that by you one more time. We are changed into the same image. What same image? The same image as of the glory of the Lord. Now, let me share something with you from 1 Corinthians that will help you just see what this is talking about. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. See, we know that we are a spirit. We know that that spirit is recreated in righteousness and holiness and truth. We know that we can't grow in righteousness. But we can only grow in righteousness consciousness. Some people have a hard time with that. They say, what are you talking about when you talk like that? I don't know. Sometimes we're talking another language. But if I said it like this, I think you can understand it better. If, you're a, if you have children, a son or a daughter, well, your daughter or your son, they can't grow in sonship or daughtership. They can only grow in consciousness of the fact that they are your son or daughter. But they can't, grow in, they can't be any more your son than they are. Or your daughter than they are. See, they can grow up, but they can't grow up being any more of your son or daughter than they, what they were when they were first born. But they can grow up, amen? Well, you've been born righteous. I can't get any more righteous than I am. But I can grow in righteousness consciousness. See? And love, we said, is the nature of this recreated human spirit. Faith, we said, is the creative force or ability of this recreated human spirit. And then, of course, we talked about some of the other forces, which we want to get into some more in depth. But now, in this particular scripture, we found out that this human spirit, in Colossians 3.10, said that this human spirit is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And in this particular scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, we found out what that image really is. We know it's the image of the glory of the Lord, but I want to put some emphasis on it right here in this chapter. Look at verse... Chapter 15, verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of of the flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Now stop there. There's different degrees of glory. Even in the spirit realm. There are also, now notice in, in verse 41, there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for one star different from another star in glory. So there's different levels and degrees of glory, even in the angelic order. Also, in the makeup of the universe, the glory of the sun, the glory of the stars, the glory of the moon, etc. But now let's go on here. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. 
It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man Adam was a living soul and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Albeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven, and is as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. The angels have degrees of glory in the body in which they possess. Whatever you want to call it, flesh, it says there's the glory of the celestial and a glory of the terrestrial. Now, you think about this. There was a glory of the earth man, Adam, but there is another glory of the heavenly man, Jesus. And while we're in the body, we have the glory of the earth man, of course, until Jesus came into us. But when Jesus came into our hearts, He's shown in our hearts the glory of the Lord. And now that the glory of the Lord is in us, we are being changed from glory to glory, not to the glory of the sun, not to the glory of the moon or the stars, or the celestial or terrestrial, but we are changed into the same image. Who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and ye, as beholding in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. Do you know what image you are going to possess when, well, we possess it in our spirit now? It didn't say he had sown within our hearts the glory of the sun. Or the glory of the moon. Or the glory of the stars. Or the glory of the terrestrial or celestial bodies. But he had shown within our hearts the glory of the Lord. Let's go on. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot enter, inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That process of change is taking place even now. But look at In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death, were, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, I don't know what that says to you, but that says to me that as I am being changed from glory to glory, I'm actually activating that glory. We're living in a, in, a, in a strange age, but it's a glorious age. I don't know how it works, but he's saying as you sow these things in your heart, you're being changed from glory to glory in the inner man, and that change actually has an effect on the outer man until one day when Jesus either comes or when you die or when the resurrection of the dead comes, we'll just all be instantly changed into the image of the glory of the Lord. Well, what image are we being changed? He said the same image as of the glory of the Lord. Now I know why he said in Revelation that the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into the city. Because he has given us... Didn't Jesus say... This is hard to preach, but brothers and sisters, but didn't Jesus, did Jesus not say that the glory that you've given me, I've given them? Sound like the same glory to you and me. Now you think about that just for a moment. 
The same glory we are being changed into. The same glory that Jesus had, He's given us. One can hardly propose such an idea, but it says over there in Hebrews 1 that Jesus is the express image of His person. The brightness of His glory. And when Paul was on the road to Damascus, and when there shone unto him a, a, a light brighter than the noonday sun, it was just the, the Lord, brighter than the, not the glory of the sun. This was brighter than the noonday sun. It was Jesus. We are being changed into the same image. Hallelujah. Glory. What effect does that have on our mortal bodies? What effect can this light have on our mortal bodies? Beloved, I don't know about you. I know about me. I want to have this life that's in me affect my mind, affect my body, until my body so radiates the glory of the Lord that the ungodly diseases and germs in this world can't live on my body. You ready for this now? Therefore, glorify God in your body. You want a little... Now, don't get off and start saying I'm pulling some, some odd things on you, but you ready? Can I just turn it around a little bit just to make it a little bit more clear? Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. Or let your bodies be glorified in God. In other words, let the glory of God emanate into your bodies. That's what he's saying. Until your life in the flesh is swallowed up by Zoe, eternal life. Let this so affect your life until you begin to just let Jesus walk through you. Now you think about it. Brother Hagen is a man of faith. And one day, he was holding a meeting in Anaheim, Anaheim Convention Center there in California. And one of the, well, actually one of the photographers was taking pictures of uh, the whole convention. You know, that was his job and this fellow was hired. He wasn't saved. Wasn't a born again man. But he was taking pictures. And while he was taking his, well, while he was developing his pictures, he uh, come across this last picture that he took and it was very difficult for him to... Uh, make out the picture. He thought there was a de it was defective. He thought there was something wrong. But he checked all his equipment, checked everything, there's nothing wrong. So he got the picture and blew it up really big. And it just so happened that Brother Hagin Brother Hagen came out and the, the, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, you're not going to preach or teach. What I want you to do is to, is to give an example of singing and praying in the Spirit. And so he says, okay, Lord. And he went out there onto the platform and he began to, to minister from Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, where it talks about don't be drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spirits and songs, making melody in your hearts unto the Lord, etc., etc. And as he came out there, he just began to just speak in other tongues and interpret and sing in other tongues and interpret and just minister in the Spirit. And uh, this photographer was taking all these pictures. Well, as I, again, I said he was unsafe. So he got that last picture and he says, I, want, I just, there's something, nothing's wrong. I just want to know what, why this picture is like this. And he blew up this picture big to see what, why it was like that. And he had, he captured Brother Hagin while he was ministering. And around him, see, the reason why it was hard to, to, for, for him to see it was because around him was the glory of the Lord and cloven tongues like as a fire were shooting out from his person. And it was so bright and so glorious that it was very difficult for the picture to come out. But he was an unsaved man, and when he saw it, I guarantee you the man got saved. <laughs> but he saw. He saw. And the Lord allowed it to be captured on, on film. And they actually saw the glory of the Lord in cloven tongues like as a fire. And he was actually ministering there in other tongues while it was being taken. Now you say, well, how come the others didn't show? Well, because the Lord didn't permit it. It was there. You know what that tells me? That gets me excited about the unseen. It was there all about 10, 11 times. But the 12th one, the, the Lord allowed it to be seen on film in a picture. And they actually saw the glory of the Lord shooting out from it. 
Oh, hallelujah. I don't know what that does to you. That excites me. The only thing that's keeping the glory of the Lord from shining out of you and me is this body. If we were to have the, this earthly house or this tabernacle dissolved, we have a house, a building of God in the heavens, eternal, the human spirit that will never die, and in it is deposited the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. We should be, someone said, we should be walking as supermen on the earth. Hallelujah. Overcoming the laws of nature. Putting the devil beneath our feet and putting our Amen. foot upon him and our heel and just... As the scripture says, bruise Satan beneath our feet because of the glory of the Lord that's been given to you and me. Amen? Yes. Well, what is this recreated human spirit? That it can contain the glory of the Lord. What is this recreated human spirit? That it can be changed from glory to glory even to look unto like the glory of the Lord. As I said, you preach this kind of stuff. People say, well, blasphemy. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says we are now the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know we shall be like Him. Because we are heirs of God and joint heirs with the Son. And as He is in heaven, so are we on earth. And as, as Jesus had the glory with the Father, the same glory is given to us. Strip away this body and dear God, what do we have? Somebody who's so righteous that they can walk up to the throne beyond the veil, to the Father's throne, and kneel down and say, Abba, Father, I'm your kin. Glory. The Bible says, and we're men, isn't that Bible? Are we not men? Does not the Bible say that at the right hand of the Father, we have one man, the mediator, the man, Jesus Christ? Doesn't it say that? There's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man. Jesus Christ. Is that, is that what it says? Does the Bible not say that a man cannot behold the face, the glory of the Lord that comes out of his face? Because if he beholds that glory, he'll die. Doesn't it say that? Well, when you get out of your body, you're not going to be any less man than you are in your body. And when you get out of your body, you'll walk right up to the face of the Father God and look right in His face, right into His loving eyes and say, Abba, Father, without dying. Can you imagine what degree of glory He has made deposit inside your human spirit to put it on the same quality as Himself? We are equal heirs. Equal heirs. Joint heirs, equal heirs with the Lord Jesus, heirs of God. I don't know about you, but I'm fascinated about the recreated human spirit. I just thank God for the ability we have within us. I don't know about you, but I just sense that the Spirit of God is leading me to tell all of us that this is an individual walk. We try to do it so hard for somebody else, and I'll tell you what, you know, don't get me wrong when I say this. We try so hard to do it for somebody else, we neglect our own spiritual growth. We try so hard to help somebody down the street, you know, that we neglect our, to get ourselves to where we should be. Notice that the Bible says if you're going to do your teaching, wait on your, wait on your gift, wait on your teaching. We've got to grow up first. Jesus, wait 30 years before he made one miracle. We've got to grow up first. Jesus had to wax strong in spirit first. I thank God that we can be used for His service. But, beloved, put all your efforts into doing something with this human spirit that's in us. Until we get... You, know, you want to know when you're going to be effective? Man, when the, when the light of God's glory shoots out of your fingers and the glory of the Lord just shoots out of your eyes and you're walking to somebody, then you're going to be effective. That's right. That's when you're going to be effective in getting others' help and getting their needs met. I mean, in a greater way. Wigglesworth. What do we say about Wigglesworth? What, what did he do? Don't change the sheets. Because the glory of the Lord that was emanating just filled the sheets. You see what happens? Well, how in the world do we get all this stuff to happen? How do we get this out of our spirit? How do, how do we get these forces working for us? How do we do it? See, it's an individual thing. But it can be done. You must desire it. To bring it forth out of your spirit, through your soul, into your body. 
And one of those first exercises we talked about was praying with other tongues. You remember? Praying with other tongues. Paul said, I pray with tongues more than ye all. And he was speaking to a church that always spoke in tongues. I think the Father wants us to, to put these things in, a, things in a proper perspective. You know, Paul, take heed of what Paul said back there when he talked about praying in tongues. He talked about, in church, I'd rather speak five words, you see, in English, than a thousand words in other tongues. Because speaking all those words of other tongues, no one's edified. No one knows. You, you, they don't understand what you're saying. Unless you interpret. But it seems like Pentecostal churches seem to think that you didn't have a, a, a meeting unless someone spoke in tongues and gave an interpretation. Is that what the use of tongues is for? Is that why tongues was given? Is that why Jesus said they shall speak with tongues? Is that why we're to receive the Holy Ghost? So that we can come to church and pray and give a message in other tongues? You know, sometimes we get boxed in in our church. And we, start using, we stop using the things in our everyday life. We just use them when we go to church. That's easy to do. You can get a habit like that. If you allow yourself. Well, what does this praying with tongues have to do with the human spirit? What's it going to do for us? How does this help the change in the human spirit? What effect does it have on the human spirit? See, I think we need to understand some of these things. Why should I always be praying in other tongues? What's the purpose of other tongues? What good is it? What's it going to do? How's it going to change my life? See, these are things we need to understand. Well, let's look at that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Isn't that something he's talking about, this glory, all the way from here, right on through 2 Corinthians. He keeps telling these people about the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, being changed into the glory of the Lord. Let's not miss out on what he's saying here concerning the Holy Ghost and concerning other tongues. Look at the 14th chapter. Look at verse 18, first of all. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Here's an apostle. Speaking to this carnal church who are always speaking in other, other tongues, always giving messages in tongues, zealous for spiritual gifts, and he tells them, I speak in tongues more than you all, but in your church service I'd rather speak only five words in English than a thousand words in other tongues. What's he trying to get across to this church? He's not putting down tongues because he says, I speak in tongues more than you all. What purpose did tongues have in the apostles' life? Why was he so zealous to speak with other tongues? What need was there of other tongues? I've heard it said by even ministers. Well, you know, tongues is only for those that, that God wants to give that gift to. And it's really only meant for the church. And if they give a message in tongues, then someone interpret. Well, why in the world would this apostle with all this revelation speak in tongues more than all the church? Why? I don't understand it. What good is it? What's it doing for him? See, not only is... Speaking with other tongues, the initial evidence of the fact that we have received the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. But speaking with other tongues should be a continual flowing forth of that water that's in us. Of that anointing that's in us. Throughout all our Christian experience. And the main purpose should not be when we come to church. But the main purpose should be in our everyday life. One of the spiritual exercises that we should have faith in... So that we can develop the human spirit to its fullness is praying with other tongues on a daily basis, day by day. Not just aimlessly, but praying with other tongues to God directly, privately, intelligently, doing it as unto the Lord knowing what it does within us, to us, for us. See, this life is an individual, personal life. I'm going to have to stand before the Lord, and He's going to say, what did I do with the Holy Ghost and other tongues? See, sometimes I think like this. 
I got a gift from God. What am I doing with it? What am I doing with the gift of God? How am I using that gift? What good is it? If all I do is use that gift is just come over here and just speak a message in other tongues and give an interpretation, am I really using that gift to the utmost when he said I'd rather speak five words in, in English than a thousand words in tongues in the church? Evidently, the emphasis on the Holy Ghost to speak with other tongues is not in the church, is it? The emphasis must be in the individual's life, the life of the believer. If that's true, then it's important that you and I set aside a amount of time or get used to praying in other tongues constantly during the course of a day. But do make sure we spend time in our private prayer life that we are praying with other tongues. Now notice in the fourth verse of the same chapter. Go back there to the fourth verse of the same chapter. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth who? Who? You charge yourself up, you instruct yourself, and you teach yourself. Now notice, you need to have faith in this. Notice we said that it takes faith to use the things of the Spirit. Faith is the creative force of the human spirit. Having faith in other tongues will create... Are you hearing me? Will create an atmosphere where we can be taught and instructed and edified. And we do it to ourselves. Praying in the Holy Ghost involves... Our spirit, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, making vital contact with Him, allowing us to, by faith, create an atmosphere whereby we can be instructed and taught of the Lord and charged up spiritually, built up on our most holy faith and keeping us in God's love. Now, if you were to just tear that what I just said apart, and I probably couldn't say it again because the Holy Ghost gave it, you'd start to understand how praying with other tongues in the spirit realm, in the human spirit, causes the forces that I mentioned, righteousness, faith, and love. Those three especially. Righteousness is our standing with the Father. Love is the nature from which all the other forces or, or all, all the other fruit of the human spirit emanate. And then faith is that creative ability. And while I'm praying with other tongues, with, you know, with the understanding or with the knowledge that I'm creating this atmosphere, I'm actually charging up that human spirit to keep it in love and to build it up on its most holy faith. That's what Jude 20 and 21 says. Is that what it says? Jude 20 says, praying in the Holy Ghost, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, there's just something about praying in other tongues that just sets you free. There's something about praying with other tongues that edifies yourself. I know it. The scripture says it, but I know that it does. But there's also more to praying in other tongues than that. It instructs you and it also teaches you. You say, how? Now I'm lost. He teaches you in the Spirit. God, the revelation of faith does not come to the mind of man. Know what I want to do when I was talking to that individual minister? I wish I could have just possibly opened up his brain, got a handful of revelation knowledge, shove it down into his spirit, close his brain back up, and let all this information rise up from his spirit and start popping open his brain cells. Open up. I knew it was futile to stand there and tell him that, look, the recreated human spirit is like this. You know, righteousness, faith, love, it all comes out of spirit. And explain all the forces that emanate. Explain how faith works. You might as well be talking to that all over there. Because the book of Corinthians in the second chapter of the same book tells us that the things of the Spirit of God, of God, His Spirit, are only known by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God reveals them to the Spirit of man, and the Spirit of man then will illuminate the mind. 
But how in the world, then, can I, by spraying of this language, be instructed, charged up, built up, edified on my most holy faith, and keep me in love? Now, if you want to know why Christians are having long faces, if you want to know why they don't have themselves built up on their most holy faith, if you want to know why their batteries are, they need charged up, they're down low, it's because they've not learned, now listen, the effectiveness of praying in the Holy Ghost. Someone thought you were spiritual by doing it at church service, but that's not it. You've got to have faith in spiritual things. I've got to have faith. I actually believe that when I get on my face, on the floor, and I just begin to go in other tongues, you can do it without the knowledge, but it's better to have the knowledge than do it, because you know what's happening. I actually believe that I am so activating the forces of my human spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to change me in such a way that my flesh is kept under and my human spirit is in control. And I expect that the glory of the Lord that's inside my spirit could and should be made manifest into my body in such a way. Now this is, I know we're getting carried away, but I said we're going to have a good time. And I'll show you how it's true. In such a way that God could actually begin to be made manifest through my body so that it can affect others that are around me. Now here. And again, I'm not going back to this brother because we're to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Brother Hagin was walking through the foyer at Rhema Bible Church. And he's just walking through the foyer getting ready to go up to the platform to speak. Everybody was already in there. A woman was making a telephone call. And all he did was walk by where she was making a telephone by the phone booth in there in the foyer. And as, as he walked by, she said, I went to my knees. And all I did was looked up and I saw Brother Hagin walk by me. And as he walked by me, the glory of the Lord just hit me and I fell to my knees. Almost, almost fell over. Caught myself, said. What was that? It was the glory of the Lord. Emanating from his person. In such a way that it was even felt... By another person walking by, standing by. She wasn't releasing any faith. Brothers and sisters, can you imagine what it was like to walk by Jesus? If he was the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. Do you know why? I got it. Are you ready for this? See, the Holy Ghost give you all kinds of stuff. Do you know why now? See, he opened up see scripture to your heart. Now, I, taught, I never taught this before, but I never saw it like this. So just now, just, just flashed right before me. Jesus was kneeling down. Or sitting down, riding in the ground, when all the woman's accusers came by and said that this woman was taken in adultery. And when Jesus spoke the word out of his mouth, and he's the brightness of his glory, the express image of God's person, and then looked up at, his, at those that were accusing, why do you think conviction came upon every single one of their hearts? Because emanating from his person was compassion towards that lady. And the very life and glory of God was just oozing out of him. And them sinners couldn't stand to be in his presence. It brought them to conviction right there. And they had to walk away from the glory of the Lord. That's right. Why do you think that when you got the glory of the Lord, when you're witnessing to somebody, conviction comes on them? Why do you think that when non-believers are around you, they get uptight? I was working one night at school when I was at Raymond. I was working like a stop-and-go all-night thing. And I was down behind the counter just minding my own business, doing my own thing. And I pray in tongues a lot, you know what I'm saying. And I was just behind the counter there just taking care of people. One guy walked in, another guy walked in. They started using the most foul language you ever heard. I mean, absolutely foul. Now, all of a sudden, He's over there at the, at the microwave. I've been putting in a sandwich to heat it up. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning, you know. And he's getting himself something to drink and uh, etc. He turns around. Jude and talking over there, cussing up a storm. I mean, just cursing everything. And all of a sudden, he turned like that looked over at me. I mean, just, just turned around and double take and looked over at me and said, You studying to be a minister? <laughs> now, how, why, why would he do that? You don't just walk into a stop and go and someone back behind the counter say, Are you studying to be a minister? And I never thought about it too right now. See, I told you the Holy Ghost to share some things with you. But I never thought about it right now. But he was walking. He was convicted. He said, forgive me. Tell me. 
from my mouth. But when he was, he was sweating. He couldn't stand to swear. And I said, you're asking me to forgive you. I says, God's there. He heard you. What's the difference if you're in front of me? But you know what that tells me? You ready? That you are such a shining light with the glory of God that God is so clearly seen in you that that's exactly who he saw. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he was convicted by the power and glory of God that he saw without even being aware. Something just came on him. Conviction for cursing and swearing inside the store. I don't believe we've ever even begun to get into the depths of what God has deposited into the recreated human spirit of man. We shouldn't be living a shallow life. We should be living a life so abundant in God. I mean, we should be such talking in tongues in our private life that the glory of the Lord, we're so fit. What's it say? Be being filled with. Be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be being filled with the what? That's what the Holy Ghost is. That's what the Holy Ghost is. Is the what? Glory of the Lord. That's why when you're always praying, don't do it, like I said, don't do it wrong. Do it right. Pray in other tongues accurately, knowing what you're doing. And when you do, you activate the power of God, the glory of the Lord inside you, which is the Holy Ghost. And the human spirit's in vital contact with the Holy Ghost. And you are praying, bringing it down to this realm here. And it can ooze out of you till you become drunk with it. What did it say? Don't be drunk with. Someone that's filled with, with wine and strong drink gets drunk. They can't even stand up. Well, it affects the body, doesn't it? Well, you could be so drunk with the Holy Ghost. They're not drunk with wine, Peter said. This is that which Joel spoke of. Hallelujah. All the earth is being filled with the glory of the Lord. He's depositing it into the human spirit of man, his creative, recreated being. And now they're bringing it forth. How? In other tongues. On the day of Pentecost. And they said they were supposing they were drunk men because they were staggering around with the glory of God on them. Oh, you know, we're to sow to the spirit that we don't sow to the flesh. Do you know what part of your flesh is the hardest part of your flesh to control? The tongue. When you yield your tongue under the Holy Ghost, the Bible says there's no problem in yielding all your members of your body. He that controls the tongue can control the whole body. Is that what it says over there? You thought it was saying the right words. You thought it was not cursing or not saying negative things. No, it's praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, the devil don't want you praying in the Holy Ghost. Did you notice that? You notice he don't want you speaking in other tongues, try to, try to keep you from always praying in other tongues? You ever try to get out in other tongues and, and, and you get all this attack on you? That's why. He doesn't want you, because he knows what it will do for you. He doesn't want you praying in other tongues. You yield your tongue to the Holy Ghost, I guarantee you your body be controlled. It keeps you God-inside-minded. It keeps you unselfish. That means it's love, right? In your prayer life. Do you see what it's, what it's doing? We have got such a weapon of our warfare that the believers not yet begun to know what to do with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. Some just spoke in tongues one time and that was it. But you see... I believe that it's time that the body of Christ is knowing more about this gift of the Holy Ghost and knowing more about praying in the Holy Ghost and with other tongues. And singing in the Spirit, praying with the understanding, but singing in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, knowing that it activates this human spirit of ours. It does something with faith. It does something with love. It causes things to happen within the inner man. You say, what? I don't know. I just got to believe it by faith. I just know that it says it edifies me. It teaches me. It instructs me. I just know that things rise up from within me. It does. It just rises up from within you, inside the inner man. See, because you're sowing to the Spirit. He that soweth to the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit. Now, sometimes people don't want to talk about this. They don't want to get off into this area. 
They just want to be sat, complacent with the fact they got the Holy Ghost. They speak in other tongues. And that's it. But let me share this with you. You've got to do it daily. If you need to be called a fanatic, be called a fanatic about it. But if you learn how to do it, if you know what purpose, you know, God has in it, and if you find out that it has a big part to play in changing you from glory to glory, and when you realize what it does inside the human spirit, get your thinking out of the way, then your tongue, once yielded to the Holy Ghost, will make all the other members of your body line up and get in order. And it'll make that glory shoot out of your fingers, shoot out of your person. It'll help transform that life of yours and mine. See, these are things that we come so far with, then tradition tries to set itself in. You know, sometimes you kind of feel a little, you get a little bit crazy. I had people tell me that I was crazy and I was doing it in the flesh and I'm all this and I'm all that and all because you're always praying in other tongues and you're being irreverent and you're being, you know. Well, I'm not in, am I irreverent if I talk in, in, in English? Am I irreverent if I, talk, if I pray in English? I never heard anybody come to me and say when I was walking either, either after service or in a foyer or wherever I was and saying, yeah, thank you, dear Lord, I just love you. Never said, no, but this guy, he's doing that in the flesh. Never said that to me. Not once. Or if I was just talking, you know, I was just, you, you, ever, you ever do that out loud and just say, oh, I just love you, Lord. Praise your holy name. No one ever said to me that, you know, this, this guy's a phony. But if you do it in other tongues, all of a sudden, now this is some kind of crazy character. Even the believers working, cooperating unknowingly with the devil to make you feel guilty about praying with other tongues. Do it softly. Do it to yourself. Do it in your private prayer life. Get used to doing it. It'll do something to you spiritually. It'll have a great effect upon your spiritual life. It'll get cloven tongues like as a fire shooting out from you. I believe it's in there. How many of you believe that the glory of the Lord has been deposited inside your human spirit? Well, what's it doing in there? Think about it. Just hitchhiking a ride through life. Is that all it's doing? What's it doing? I don't know. I just, inside my spirit, know that God wants us to let it loose. I know that the Father wants us to let her rip. Let her go. Have faith in this glory that's in us. Believe that, you, that your face shines with this glory. Believe that this... No wonder it says... You ready? I always had this image until just now when the Holy Ghost showed me again. I always had this image that the path of the righteous is as the shining light. And it gets brighter and brighter under the perfect day. And someone's up there with a spotlight. Shining it down upon my path of life. It gets a little bigger, a little brighter, and a little brighter. No, that's not the way it is. God doesn't work from out there over there. He works from up there in here. And the light and the glory shines brighter and brighter and brighter from me in my spirit. Through the soul, through the body. Until, yeah, brighter and brighter and brighter. And brighter, glory be to God. That's why it gets brighter. See? Until, bless God, you begin to walk as He walked. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ liveth in me. Hallelujah. As I behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, step number one is to pray with other tongues constantly. Be being filled. Be being filled with the Holy Ghost. Be being filled. If you don't understand it yet, do it by faith. And begin to take time. Set a pace. Take 15 minutes a day. If, you, if you've never begun to do this, start at 15 minutes. It's time to get 15 minutes to praying in other tongues. And then build up on that. Then get to where you can fulfill the scripture that says, Pray without ceasing. How can you pray without ceasing? Only in the Holy Ghost. That's the only way. And you start praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying with other tongues. You'll get so used to praying with the Holy Ghost and with other tongues, it'll be, it might even overtake your speaking in English. Have you ever tried to control your mouth lately? Think about it. 
Have you tried other means whereby to keep your mouth from speaking doubt and unbelief? Or have you sat back like I did and say, why in the world did I say that? Sure you have. You've done the same thing. So I just figure this. If you can't do it by watching your words, then why don't we do it by praying in other tongues? See, you're not going to control the flesh without doing something in the Spirit. And as I sow to the Spirit, I'll get used to more praying in tongues than I am talking in, in, in English. And the more I get used to praying in other tongues, I know I'm not doing anything wrong. Sometimes, and I do this at home, and my wife, she just looks at me sometimes, and, you know, she wonders sometimes about me. And sometimes with friends I'll do it, but don't get carried away with this thing. But Sometimes, you know, people say something, you just have to pray in other tongues. And just start doing it. Someone say something about something, just, yes, somebody can say anything. Well, what do you feel about um, this guy's ministry? Pray in other tongues. Don't say a word in English. Judge not that you be not what? Every man shall give account of who? An oral discourse of who? What do I care about? Someone else's what he's doing, what he's not doing. This is an individual thing. I think this is the key. This is the answer, beloved. Just start praying in other tongues. You know, you might even get to the same way. that you, Instead of answering in English, you start answering in other tongues. At least you won't speak any gal. <laughs> Amen? But you get what I'm saying. Don't get carried away. Just get what I'm saying. That you can't control this flesh without sowing to the Spirit. It's through the Spirit I mortify the deeds of the flesh. What if the tongue is the worst member of the body to control? Then what means has He given me to control the tongue? Another tongue that edifies, that teaches, that giveth thanks well. Moffat says, that speaketh divine secrets unto the Father. And when someone says, what do you feel about so-and-so? I just spoke divine secrets about him to the Father. You see what I'm saying? And so that way, if I answer anything, it's, another, it's, in, it's according to the will of God. The more I get used to praying with tongues... You see, the more you'll be able to control your tongue. And that's step number one. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is to keep your tongue from evil. And your lips that they speak no God. That you can live long on the earth. And it'll be well with you. And so exercise number one. And how non-spirit-filled believers, believers that are not spirit-filled, how in the world... They could really grow and develop these, these forces of the recreated human spirits beyond me. How they can really come into vital union and contact with spiritual things is beyond me. If they, how they can control their words is beyond me if they don't pray with other tongues. Pray with other tongues. Something I want to say about other tongues too. Let's, let's close it, right? Well, after this statement, we'll close this. Sometimes we use other tongues. You ever hear someone go 100 mile an hour in other tongues? I mean, 100 miles an hour. Do you think it's going to be 100 miles an hour to pray and speak in other tongues? Well, did you ever see somebody worship God by saying, Father, I love you. I think you're so good. You're so kind. You're so good. 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 You ever, did you ever see somebody do that? That's wild. You can, I never talk that fast to the Lord when I'm talking my own language. I say, Father, I love you and I appreciate you. I just think you're the best. You're the greatest. Thank you for your love and your mercy and for your grace. How come when we care with the tongues that to go a thousand mile an hour? You know, right? See? We don't have to do that. We could pray in tongues like we're talking like I'm talking right now. And it'll get we'll get so used to speaking in other tongues, it'll tame this tongue. Amen? Well, we never have time. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. 
I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.